Hey everyone, this is Dave Menachetti from Y&T, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Turn it up. Hey, this is Chris Jericho of Fozzie, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Don't stop listening, or I'll come and find you. I know where you live. episode 443 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 443, with great pleasure, a welcome to the show from the band Bon Jovi. Also from Phil X and the Drills, we have Mr. Phil X. Phil is uh, finishing up what will be his fifth album with the Drills. The album will be called Stupid Good Looking Volume 2. I've got the debut single right on the money. We're going to play for you in just a minute. Uh, That's a band which features Phil on guitar, on vocals, uh, Daniel Spree also doing bass, background vocals, and Brett Fitz on drums and vocals. Uh, Phil X and the Drills, a little more aggressive music, a little more guitar riff-oriented than than maybe Bon Jovi would be, I think, by comparison. It's got, as I mentioned in the interview, a little bit of a punk attitude to it, but it's got a lot of riffs. If you're not familiar with Phil's playing, obviously he kind of became an overnight sensation, so to speak, and it's a label I hate because he was had a very prolific career prior to being named the successor to Richie Sambora in Bon Jovi back in 2016. He played with the band since 2011. Uh, has worked with Tommy Lee, has worked with Triumph, a lot of, uh, of stuff on his resume. He was in Frozen Ghost, uh, band goes we talk about that in the interview here that goes way back into the early 90s remember playing them when I was on WCYJ in Waynesburg Frozen Ghost uh, so you know he's got an amazing resume um, and has done a lot of great work the Felix and the Drills like I said a little more riff oriented uh, Bon Jovi will be releasing a new album in 2020 as well the album is actually called 2020 scheduled for release on October 2nd, um, there's a new single that is uh, just dropped from that. We'll play you actually a little bit of that on the other side of the interview. We're going to lead into that interview with Right on the Money by Phil X and the Drills.
back and looking at your resume. You know, I remember when they announced you were going to be in the band, and I looked it up, and I'm like, the guy from Frozen Ghost. I had to, I had to really look Frozen at that one. <laughs> you know, the, I've talked to so many interviewers. I've been doing this every Thursday from three o'clock to six o'clock the last three or four weeks. Mm-hmm. Nobody has mentioned Frozen Ghost. You know, I have to ask. Um, what was the song? Was it Dream Come True or what was this, the this from the yeah, second album? Okay, I remember because yeah. I was in college radio at the time, and people would request the shit out of that song. And uh, you know, it was like, man, if I would have thought all these years later, I'm sorry. It was a big wedding song. Yeah, it yeah. was a big wedding. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember going to a wedding, and the couple. The bride and the groom did their, their, their song was "Dream Come True," but because I was at the wedding sitting at a table, everybody was looking and pointing at me. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "Hey, man, these people, this is their day. Don't yeah. look at me. Look at Let them. them do it." Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what though, I've always thought if you could write a song to be in a wedding or like you know one of those songs that kind of transcends, like like "Walking on Sunshine." Could you imagine right. how much the guy who wrote that song or the woman who wrote that song has made in a career because it gets used for every stinking movie ever made? You know, that yeah, that's cool. brilliant. So, it hey, is. It's, it's great. Yeah. if you can have a song that transcends, you know, when people look back, you may not even remember the name of the band, but if you remember, hey, that was somebody's wedding song or so-and-so got married to that or, you know, that's... You that's, know, I think there is a ton of songs that are probably in my top ten list that I don't know the name of the band. Yeah, I know uh, from um, Pittsburgh, one of those bands you may not remember, Rusted Root, the song Send Me On My Way, had that kind of scat world music sort of thing. And, you know, I I talked to that guy a few times, and he's like, yeah, he's like, well, we still owe the record company money technically, but you hear that song everywhere. You know, Enterprise car commercials and and you name it. But uh, it's, it's. it's kind of cool to be involved with that. So yeah, Frozen Ghost that jumped off the page of me because I remember, you know, in the United States, I don't even know the band had name recognition, but everybody wanted to hear that song. You know, well, so. you know, uh, Pennsylvania was close enough to the Canadian border. Yeah, that we did a lot of crossover stuff. Like we we didn't really go farther than that when we came down. We didn't even go to New York to be honest. We we, yeah. we, we um, it was Pennsylvania and uh, some of the northern other. Uh, attaching kind of sure, sure. But, yeah because uh, yeah, I mean the tour the first one the four the first tour that I did was frozen go across Canada in an RV so that was my first yeah your first go that was interesting yeah I'm sure it's different tour now I mean by night and day how oh yeah I mean I still get to do uh, the small thing too you know I mean I love being able to do both mm-hmm. I love being able to paint on two different canvases that are like other ends of the scope one being you know obviously the Bon Jovi thing with the arenas right. and the stadiums and flying jets and then just in March um, we did eight drill shows in the UK and we were in a van sharing hotel rooms and mm-hmm. playing clubs to 100 to 250 300 people and I love delivering the goods in yeah. both scenario. Yeah, the, with the drills music, um, very high energy. You know, I listen to that and it's got almost, a, I would say, an air of. There's a swagger of punk to it, with obviously exceptional guitars and riffs. You're very riff oriented. Um, 
is it maybe more satisfying when you go out and do a show? I mean, obviously 20,000 people in a, in a venue's got to be thrilling, but is the energy and, and the type of music maybe more fun? Yeah, definitely. I mean, and it's mine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I wrote the story that I'm telling and I created the guitar m- movements. Uh, so it's, it's, it's delivering what's coming out of my heart and what's coming out of my brain. Mm-hmm. And when I see an audience singing those lyrics back to me, like air hockey champion of the world, it's kind of like, well, okay, that's, that's, you can't really beat that. Um, yeah. But at the same time, um, you know, being in, on stage with a band like Bon Jovi, this like, you know, we played Wembley Stadium in front of 82,000 people last uh, June. And that's, that's one of those things. It's like, it's a mega band. Mm-hmm. They headlined Wembley Stadium and played Wembley Stadium. It wasn't a festival. It was Bon Jovi with a local opener. Yeah. And got 82,000 people in those seats. So it's, it's pretty amazing to be a part of that. But I feel like I'm, you know, I'm a windmill in the, in the, in the scenic background of what's coming out of John. Yeah. I, I think. And that's. It, it, no matter how, you know, Bon Jovi's always been kind of an interesting thing because you'll hear so many were fans when, when you know the band comes to town when when the band releases a song it's still almost spoken like a solo band you know people refer to it as him yeah and, and it obviously in a lot of ways when you watch you know the documentaries that the band has put out over the years you know it is a machine and, and he's the ceo you know you get that impression when, when you watch that but it's yeah. got to be kind of a whirlwind for you guys i mean i have well, to imagine no. It's it's great to be, you know, when people say I'd love to be a fly on the wall, mm-hmm. I, I get to be the fly on the wall. It's sure. you know, we, the, this new record, 2020, was uh, the first record that I was involved from the beginning, from the ground up. So we went into Nashville last um, March and hit a studio for 11 days and just recorded bed tracks. And John is a visionary. He mm-hmm. he knows what he wants to say, and he knows what he wants how to present what he wants to say and there's no qualms about it there's no um there's no ifs ands or buts it's like this is what i'm doing this is what we're doing as a band this is what it's going to look like this is what's Mm going to sound so he getting to be a part of that from the ground up was is it's pretty incredible Mm -hmm. Uh, you can look at it as school because you learn stuff sure you can look at it as because uh, not only do I have a big rock star at my disposal if I want ever had a question or anything like that, I have the whole band is uh, I've had some of the best conversations in my life the last three years with Tico Torres. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yeah. he's a fun guy. <laughs> Wait, John runs the ship, but Tico's the coolest guy out there. <laughs> I'm just I'm just gonna say that I love that guy. Um, I mean, it's a it's a family, you know. Um, so it's it's a great. I'm in a great position. The um, I love that uh, taking a break from the drills to do Bon Jovi stuff mm-hmm. is is quite exciting. Um, yeah. And then t- when I'm done with the Bon Jovi thing, and then I can go back and do stuff with the drills. That's also exciting. So it keeps it interesting. Is it? Yeah, I mean, I imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, but when you go from doing, you know, the Wembley stadiums to doing a club, you've got to, I mean, 
two totally different energies. Can you kind of contrast, you know, the the mob, the sea of people versus the someone's six feet from your face, you know, right on the other side of your wedge, you know, kind of audience in your face? How those compare? Um, the for me, energy is energy. I feel like whatever I send out will come back. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like it's a cyclone of energy. Like it's it is different with Bon Jovi, and obviously different with the drills. The energy for me is, I feel like I can be a hundred percent me in the drills, mm-hmm. and if I was a hundred percent me in Bon Jovi, I'd get fired. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I appreciate that I, honesty, but yeah, I, I mean, I do get to let loose though. There are moments in the Bon Jovi show, like in Keep the Faith, where they they loosen the reins a bit, and you can, and it's not. I'm just gonna go out there and say it now. I'm not. They haven't put the res- any restrictions on me. Mm-hmm. They haven't. John has never said you're doing too much. You know. Um, he's always been a fan of what I do, and he's like, "Hey, I love mm-hmm. what you're out there. Keep doing it. Thanks for showing up, and thanks for doing it. And fantastic." Uh, I'm the one that that self-imposed those restraints. I feel like I know what I can do. I know what I'm capable of. Capable of. But if I go out there and do it all, then it's it, it's not the right forum for that energy. Sure. So that energy is reserved for the drills. So it all works out. It's it's yeah. a really cool balance for me. Um, even on the new record, I, I, my favorite song is called uh, "Love Is a Beautiful Drug," and uh, when I recorded the solo, me and Shanks were geeking out on guitars in his studio, and I just went out on a limb and just pushed it really far. Mm-hmm. I love rock and roll to be dangerous. I think the, the danger aspect of rock and roll has been missing for a while, mm-hmm. and if it is apparent, it's not as dangerous as it used to be with Zeppelin and Van Halen and Sabbath and ACDC and all these bands that I grew up listening to. Um, so I, I I believe I got to insert or inject 16 seconds of danger in that one song. Right. So it was, it's pretty exciting for me to be able to do something like that and have, uh, have it stay. Um, you know, I've had Shanks in my corner. He goes, "Hey, don't worry. If John doesn't like it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sell it on him." When you approach, you know, playing on a Bon Jovi record, obviously you've you've played with everyone. Like I, I said when we first started talking, your resume is insanely long. You know, you you had an extremely long career to become an overnight sensation, I should say. But when you when you step into that arena and it, you know, you click record on the Pro Tools. Do you feel um, like you have to pay any kind of homage to you know the guitar players who came before you when you approach a solo, or do you just kind of let it go where you think the song fits it best? I mean, obviously I you're you're not playing 1983 Bon Jovi music at this point though. You know, it's a mature sounding band over the years, yeah. obviously. Well, I'll take door number two. For me, uh, it's always about the song. Mm-hmm. And uh, I learned that when, you know, like going back years, you know, one minute I'd be playing on an Alice Cooper record and then mm-hmm. and two weeks later it'd be an Avril Lavigne record. Mm-hmm. So, and then there was Kelly Clarkson and Daughtry. And I feel like when I hear a song, 
it's my job as a guitar player, as a musician, mm -hmm. as a creator, to make that song sound the best it can in guitar world. Sure. You know, of, of course, uh, the chorus has to, the chorus is king, mm -hmm. and it has to you know you have to build to a chorus that makes it a climax of a song, and of course the vocal is the most important thing. It's uh, so I guess the vocal is the king. <laughs> But, so it's it's complementing the vocal. So when we, when I when I approach recording with Bon Jovi, it's the same as when I approach working with Rob Zombie or uh, Kelly Clarkson or anybody. It's just taking that song to the next level as the guitar player on the track. Now, do you then like when, when you're trying to approach soloing? Even and this may sound like a strange question, but do you? Beyond just the melody of the song, do you sometimes internalize the lyrics and you know let that judge the emotion of which you play a solo? Uh, it's not a weird question at all. It's a great question. I feel like uh, darkness um, calls for a, a darker themed solo. Mm -hmm. You know, if if the lyric is uh, say you're playing on a song that's dedicated to what's happening now with COVID and, sure. and you know, our country is in distress. So you're not going to put in a, you know, a happy-go-lucky kind of mm -hmm. jokey solo in there. It's, it, it wouldn't fit. Mind you, there's probably opportunities out there where somebody sends you a track and says, this needs a really cool solo that needs to, you know, take it out of what it is. Like a scene change, that's what we call right. it. Music, you know, take the bridge. Some bridges need to be an extension of the song, and some bridges need to be a break from the song. Right. So, and the solo could be the same thing. Now, do you get a lot of? You mentioned John. Uh, um, do you get a lot of influence from him as you're approaching, or does he just kind of roll tape and then you guys kind of hash it out? On the other side, you know, take a couple takes. Which one do you like better? Which you know, this is too much of this or too little of that. How do you yeah. play off of his skills? You mean wait? You mean John Majovi or John Shanks? Shanks, I'm sorry. Shanks. Yeah, um, we play off each other a lot. Even even when we were doing some stuff live, we we really wanted to be the duo, the guitar duo. Mm -hmm. So we uh, we work out some stuff um, in the studio. You know, he has an idea of what he wants it to be as a producer. And so he'll give me some direction and say, hey, why don't you try something like this? Why don't you try something like that? And I go, I was thinking this. And he'll go, whoa, I like that. But what if you change the last note to this? And I'm like, done. But um, my favorite moment recording with Bon Jovi was actually on This House Is Not For Still when I was like an afterthought. The whole record had been recorded, but John Bon Jovi came in and said, you know, you're going to be the, the guy on the artwork and in the video, so maybe you should come and play on the record. <laughs> Can you come work next week? And I did. And I went up, and one of my favorite solos that I did on that record was on um, <clears throat> Born Again Tomorrow. Because it was like this, almost like a dance beat, but I felt like I could really stretch out uh, over the chord progression. I'm a, I'm a chord progression kind of guy. Sometimes people are like, hey, it's just this thing in E for 16 bars, go. I'm like, mm -hmm. it's not really... It doesn't sound very uh, appealing to me. 
as as much as hey, this is the chord section. In the chord section, you can get way more melodic. I feel in the chord progression, you could get uh, you could tell a story, and it could the story could have a journey to it. So. Um, and what ended up happening was Shanks came in and said, "Hey, I, I, I feel like you could be a little bluesy in this." And Joe Bon Jovi walked in and said, "No, <laughs> I want you to be like Eddie Van Halen and beat it." And I'm like, "Well, I could do that." <laughs> so I ended up drawing from that energy and uh, you know putting a lot of philexisms into the solo mm-hmm. and generating this energy. And then so one pass went by, and John was like, I like it. Another pass went by, wow, I like that too. Another pass went by, and okay, wait, wait. You're giving me way too much good stuff. Let's just piece something together. So I love the beginning. This one started great. This one ended great. Let's fill the middle. So then I did something like that. And then once you have, instead of recording 10 takes and then comping it digitally in Pro Tools, uh, we would make the comp, and I would learn the comp, Oh, okay. And then I would perform it. And to me, that speaks way louder than 10 edits. Do you map them out where you're going to go before the tape rolls? I mean, not tape anymore, but you're know, showing our age. Um, are you a guy who just, you know, you've got enough musicality, you, you know, you've got the ear, you know the chords, you can just kind of do it live, or are you, you know, someone who sits down the night before and thinks about chord changes and scales and modes and. I don't think the night thing, the night before works for me. I, I feel like the only way that I serve a piece of music is is by instincts, because mm-hmm. I think my instincts are pretty good. Right. So um, there will be a moment um, where I'll just rely on instincts and go in, and they press play, and I start going, and uh, it would be like. Oh my God, that was amazing! Except this one little section could use something else, and then I just punch in that something else. Um, I've I've done a lot of records with Howard Benson and uh, Mike Plotnikoff is his engineer, and he he'll record eight solos just because we have time and what's the rush? Let's just get it. And he always goes, you know what? The first one's my favorite. <laughs> It's and funny how that happens. I think the explanation for that is, in my case, is the first solo is instinct only. Yeah. And the more takes you do, the more you get into your head yeah. or your brain. And then, in my case, I actually, once I get into my head, I start tripping myself up. Yeah. So the energy and the instinct and the and the fire that is evident in that first take is what Mike always liked and always went with. Is there anything you would give advice? I mean, when you look at your career, you've had, as I mentioned, and I want to beat it to death, but an amazing recording career long before Bon Jovi. Um, In an era where maybe guitar heroes were a little bit lost. Um, You know, obviously in 2016, everyone became very much aware of your name. But you you know you had Rob Zombie and Alice Cooper and, and it'd go on for days. Is there something you would say to a musician who wanted to get into that kind of, of you know keeping you know paying the bills working musician who maybe 
you know, has got the chops on how to be able to work in situations like that and get jobs in the studio with musicians? I think the key at this point is standing out. I think I, I think there's been a lost... I think what's been lost to a lot of guitar players is improvising mm-hmm. and being inventive. I don't think a lot of guys or girls invent enough. They're, everybody's been regurgitating everything that they learned and maybe change it a little bit and call it theirs. And I don't think it's, that's not what Eddie Van Halen did. To me, as an audience member, when I was 14 and saw him play on the Women and Children First Tour, and it just changed my life. And it was his rhythm. And not only his, like, I know a lot of a lot of people do challenge me, and I say this a lot. People are like, "Well, what about Hendrix?" And Hendrix was phenomenal. You can't take anything away from Hendrix. But no, I don't think anybody has changed guitar as much as Eddie Van Halen did when he came out. I yeah. think I think he not only changed the sound and technique and added technique upon technique, but he changed the look of a guitar. He yeah. changed uh, how to approach guitar and. I'm not saying we need the new Eddie Van Halen to step forth. I just think people need to really take a hard look at what they can do to take it somewhere else. Right. And a lot of guys do that. Like I, I've been, you know, in this quarantine phase of our lives, Plan B, as I call it. Um, I've been putting up more content on my uh, YouTube channel which is Phil X1111, and it's basically what I played on this record and what I played on Chris Cornell's track and what I played on Daughtry's track. And, mm-hmm. and I did this on Alice Cooper's track where I couldn't hit this high note enough on the guitar, so I took unscrewed a screw in the pickup and put the string underneath the screw and tuned it to the note that I wanted so I could stick in a riff. And people watch that stuff and they go, how the shit did you come up with that? And I was like... I don't know. I guess I'm. I, I like. I like to MacGyver my way around. Yeah. <laughs> and I also like to uh, do something that no, that's never been done before. So it it always works out in a resourceful kind of way. But I think we need more of that. I think we need more of instead of going looking at a chorus. Okay, we need big chords, and we need a chorusy reverby arpeggio to kind of swim on top right. to make it all jingly. And I'm like, no, <clears throat> we got too much of that we need something else so yeah so look dig deep and yeah. i also tell young guitar players that find something that's yours and grow on that because that's something that the next guy doesn't have yeah i mean that's a great point when I mean, you bring you bring up about eddie van halen eddie van halen took it in in such a different direction but then unfortunately so many people went in that direction and tried to you know follow in his wake by right. doing the same exact thing yeah um, you know and I think what I'm hearing you say is you know take the spirit of what Eddie Van Halen did yeah but be be the next whoever you know don't try to be the next Eddie Van Halen right there are a lot of players that um, I feel like all the copycats there was also people that of course so you know when the Eddie Van Halen was tapping, everybody started tapping. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when guys like Nuno Betancourt, oh, um, wow, yeah. <laughs> Red Beach, when they tapped, they did a completely different thing. 
Yeah. You know, it, it, it was a growth. It wasn't just more, it wasn't just Xeroxing Eddie's technique. They took it to another level. And um, so that stuff like that is pretty amazing. You know, what Steve Diet, what Steve Vai does with the guitar. Look, as big as an Eddie Van Halen fan as I am, when when uh, when Van Hager and Edom and Smile and Dave Lee Roth went head to head, I was an Edom and Smile guy. Yeah, that. I what Vi did and what Billy Sheehan did and and the way Roth just stayed his alpha male. I'm gonna you with my voice and songs and and this band. I, it it totally smoked Van Hager out of the water. I thought. Yeah, that that the first couple seconds of Yankee Rose, and it was like, okay, this is this is amazing. It's a real thing. It's yeah, a real, for sure. That was that was mind blowing. I remember feeling the same way when I, I put on the first um, Mr. Big album. You know, addicted to that rush. It was like that was insane because Paul Gilbert is another guy. I mean, yeah. I met him at the Viper Room in, in L.A. in front of I don't know 200 fans. Um, a lot of them came from Japan actually, yeah. but. Being able to see somebody that up that close, and his he's a he's a tall dude, but his his finger span is unbelievable. Like he, it's, it's like he's got like another finger like way out here, yeah. and it's it's I was totally blown away. He's so good and so precise. And, yeah, uh, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I love geeking out over guitar players. Anytime you want to do that. <laughs> yeah, that could go all night about that. But um, your album. Uh, Stupid Good Looking Volume Two. Um, can we expect, you know, kind of more of this, you know, what we're used to from you? Uh, you know, obviously we hear right on the money, fantastic song. Thanks, man. Get the blood pumping kind of song. Um, yeah. Going to be I, in that kind of vein. Yeah, it is. There's uh, I, as as diversified as the drummers that appear on this record, so is the song. So was the song approach. Like mm. when I when I was thinking of you know Tommy Lee, I, I I wrote a song with Tommy Lee in mind. And when I was thinking of uh, Liberty DeVito again, I thought he was in my head when I was working on this tune. So it's it's a very uh, the blood pumping is there. There's some songs that really get me going. Mm. Um, there is a, a shade of dark in the Liberty DeVito song. It's a song called Broken Arrow, and uh, it was a song I wrote after Chris Cornell had passed. Mm-hmm. And it was just in my head, I was thinking, well, we all think, you know, how dark does it have to get to go to take that path? Sure. But at the same time, I took it to a point where when I was looking at the lyrics, I was, I wanted to imagine someone getting to the other side and wondering if they did the right thing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and the drills never go there. <laughs> yeah. So that's mm-hmm. a fun time for that one. But the track came out great, and the, and I, I, I love how I sang it. I love how my vocals sounded in that register because I was thinking about Chris Cornell and what an iconic vocalist he is, and not to put myself in that bracket, but being able to approach that vibe was very exciting for me. Yeah, it, it should be fantastic. Do you have a, a release date in mind? I know obviously the music world has kind of gone to hell in a handbasket. Oh man, it's like we got to do what we can do. So I feel like I, 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 everything's recorded. It's mm-hmm. been recorded, and we're just in mix mode. And we want Chris Lord Algae to do volume two 
because he did volume one, we want to keep the team the same. Right. So uh, he's just a busy guy. So once he gets mixing on it, then hopefully we can get it out in the fall, uh, perhaps before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do want to put out another single in the next couple of months just to keep, but this single will be from volume two. Okay. So, and we will definitely keep that thing going. Keep the momentum built up. And exactly. you know, it might be too hard to say at this moment, but do you have any idea or, or talk of when the, the forthcoming Bon Jovi album might be? Uh, I, I bet you know before me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, what do you mean we're delaying it? People need <laughs> stuff. People need, we're in a time where anything that people can sink their teeth into from their favorite artist would be so welcomed. But on, yeah. on the other side of the scope, a, a mega band like Bon Jovi relies on touring sure. to to support a record. So I understand what's happening. It's just you know I'm with the fans. I'm like I want to hear the new shit, man. Come on. Yeah, it's interesting to see a bit. You know, an artist still say that about you know someone that that you rely on the touring. Uh, you know, for the record, so many bands. You know, touring is it, and the in the albums is just an expense or you know a creative itch just scratch. So yeah. it's, it's Good to hear that there's you know still that drive. Um, hopefully we'll we'll get to the other side of this and you know shows get to come back at some point. Uh, you know that's a whole it, different discussion. It's a scary thing, you know. Uh, it's it's emotionally it's an emotional tragedy. Every morning I wake up, I think, I, what do, what do you mean I can't play on stage until next year? Yeah. It's, it's a weird challenge. I appreciate you so much, man. Thank you. All right, Phil. You take care. from Bon Jovi do what you can uh, obviously the album had been slated I believe to be released earlier in the year 2020 the album was called 2020 so obviously uh, was was going to be released a little early in the year they were supposed to do a full-on tour with Brian Adams unfortunately not in Pittsburgh but it's a pretty extensive tour um, but if you've if you've watched anything with John Bon Jovi or Bon Jovi on social media you kind of see uh, they put the brakes on the album 
obviously, um, when you listen to this track, do what you can. You can't deny the lyrics uh, about the social situation or about the uh, COVID situation in the United States. The other single that's been released from the album, American Reckoning, uh, very much about the George Floyd situation. So almost like the band decided to take a step back from what they were going to release, and and this is, again, my speculation, and decided to make a much more timely record. Um, You know, without hearing the material that was originally slated for 2020, obviously American Reckoning and Do What You Can, uh, songs that have come out of things going on in the world. And and I think you see that with... uh, John's writing really going back uh, for several albums and become much more um, in tune with things that he sees in the world um, and, and obviously Phil's guitar playing uh, great Phil X and the Drills Stupid Good Looking Volume 2 uh, hopefully we'll get that before too long we'll have the Bon Jovi 2020 album and then hopefully we'll see a more extensive tour uh, with Bon Jovi um, in 2021 and uh, Phil X and the Drills would love to get a chance to see that band. If you have a chance, um, if you're not familiar with their music, get on a Spotify, get on YouTube, check out Phil X and the Drills. If you're a guitar player, um, uh, you know, maybe when you listen to Bon Jovi, you don't get a sense of, you know, this guy is a virtuoso. Maybe you do. But if you listen to the Phil X and the Drills, I think you'll really get a feel for what he can do um, when left, uh, you know, without anyone calling the shots except him. Uh, it certainly is, is a neat thing. It reminds me a lot of when I listen to, um, and this is maybe dating myself, but when you listen to uh, Steve Vai, what he did with um, Whitesnake, for example, which was obviously tons of fireworks, but then you listen to Passion Warfare and you're like, you know, there's a whole different world to this guy. And you listen to Flexible, you know, things when a musician like that is left with, with kind of no boundaries. Uh, what they can do and, and Phil's songs are I think fantastic so check that out you can visit us at ironcityrocks.com or on Facebook Instagram YouTube Twitter Snapchat Iron City Rocks look us up it's always forward slash Iron City Rocks for any of the ones with the URL you can email us at ironcityrocks at gmail.com drop us an email let us know what you think of the show suggestions for bands that uh, maybe we haven't had on the show we've had on the show but not for a long time heck you know tell us somebody you didn't like who was on the show you know we, we want your opinion you know, we listen to feedback I uh, can't guarantee that we can get every musician we'd like to get we've been very blessed to talk to many many musicians um, and it's been a pleasure doing that um, let us know who we're missing who would you like to hear from you know throw an obscure band at us and say you know what happened to so-and-so what are they doing or we'd love to hear from so-and-so they've got a new album coming out unfortunately with the touring world the way it is we you know we're not able to help promote the tours that are coming through you know pennsylvania pittsburgh in particular which we've always prided ourselves in doing helping you become aware of bands that might be coming in Uh, obviously no one's going anywhere right now so we're just doing what we can. So I want to thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time. (laughs) 